0: Good morning, Kingdom. How's everyone doing this morning? Hey, guys, guess what? He is risen. He is risen. He is alive. That is something to celebrate. We've been praying and fasting for this, for this morning services, and I truly believe that God has something very special for each person this morning. I was trying to go to bed last night, and it was late. I'm like, Lord, I got to rise like Jesus rose in a few hours, man, I, I, don't, I need to go to, I need some rest. And I really feel like the Lord, he told me, I feel like he, he wanted me to share that he is the main attraction this morning. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that try to help, uh, help Jesus in, in introducing him to people. And, you know, it's Easter, it's Easter morning. We have a green wall outside. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt at one o'clock, but Jesus doesn't need any help to change our lives. He doesn't need any help. And I feel like the Lord said, I am enough. I am enough within myself to get people's attention to follow, to follow me. Amen. And so I just believe this morning that God wants to speak to each person and he wants to make a difference in your life. And so I hope you're, you're, ex, you're excited. You're expected. I know that I am. If you're a first time guest, we just want to welcome you into, into our house I wanted to just point out these words on the wall. You may, uh, even if you've been coming, you may not know what this is. This is our vision. Our vision is for everyone in the Permian Basin to know Jesus and around the world to know Jesus, to hear his voice and follow him. We are passionate about this. Our church was the birth out of learning to hear God's voice. One of the reasons it's significant that he is risen and that he is alive, that he didn't stay in that grave, is that we can have a personal relationship with him. God is not just a, a, a man or a God that is in heaven somewhere and he's looking down and he intervenes every once in a while. He wants a daily relationship with you. This is why part of our vision is to know Jesus, not just to know about him, but to know him. And then we learn to hear his voice. What is he saying to us? And then we follow him. This, and that's probably the hardest part. It's easy to, to begin a relationship, but how many of you know God will lead you places that you don't want to go? Who ask you to do things that you don't want to do. It's in that moment that we have to make a decision. Are we going to follow him? The disciples, I remember a while back God gave me this revelation about the disciples. Every day that they woke up, remember Jesus was a traveling evangelist. He was a traveling uh, prophet to an extent. He was a traveling minister. Every day that the disciples woke up, they had to answer a question. Who is Jesus to me? Is he this Messiah? Because yesterday, we didn't have as much food as we did last week. They had every day, every day they had to make a decision, who is Jesus to me? And so, um, I really believe that God is wanting to introduce himself to a lot of people, even people who have grown up in church, who know how to do all the right things, raise their hands, put their hands together to pray. I really believe he's wanting to introduce himself in a new way. So, this is part of our vision. Um, This is kind of amazing to me. But um, we were born in August of 2018, and uh, because of COVID last year, we weren't able to have an in-person service. This is our second in-person service for Easter, our second one, and we have three services. And so God has done an amazing thing, and I'm just really glad that you're here with us. After service, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt at 1 p.m., not this service, but at the end, uh, egg hunt at 1 p.m. So if you want to go, and I said this to the 8 o'clock service, if you want to go home, take a nap, get some brunch, you can. You may not have time after this service to go home and take a nap. Maybe you can get something to eat. But if you have kids or grandkids, we want to invite them to come at 1 p.m., we're going to have an Easter egg hunt. It's going to be awesome. And then also, you may have seen some of our our, our team wearing our kingdom shirts. We have those for sale if you, want, if you want to buy one. I know we have a limited quantity, but if you want to uh, buy one and we can order one for you, have it by next week. Uh, it'd be awesome. So... We are starting a new series today. I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm going to give you the title here in a little bit, but the title of the sermon I I can give is this, Jesus, the Offended Savior. Jesus, our Offended Savior. So I want you to close your eyes, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. We want to make room for Him to, to speak to our hearts, to speak to our minds, because many of us walked in with problems, we walked in with issues, we walked in with things that are clouding our mind, and we want to make room for the Holy Spirit. So Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we are asking for your will to be done. Jesus, we need you. Simply, we, we need you to show up in our life. It doesn't matter if we've been living for you for 20, 30, 40 years. We need you more today than we did yesterday. And Jesus, we do confess that you did die, but you have risen. And because you rose, we will rise from the dead one day. And we can, we can rise, raise to, be raised to life in this life and enter in the kingdom. And so, Father, we just, we just set aside everything that would distract us. I want you just to take a moment. If you walked in with, with an issue that has just been dominating your mind over the past week, I'm going to challenge you to surrender it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I give you this issue. It doesn't mean it's not important. It just means you're not big enough to take care of it, and you need to give it to him. Father, we give you these things, and we ask for you to speak to our hearts today. I pray that we can recognize your voice. We can hear you, Father. We can follow you more closely. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So one thing I, wanted, I want to start with, I want to revisit a story that we, we read last week, that we spoke about last week. So Last week was Palm Sunday. How many of you were here last week? Okay, there was a few people. If you remember, we spoke about Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. It was also known as the triumphal entry. If you remember, the Jewish people welcomed Jesus in. He was riding on a donkey, but they had palm branches in their hand. They were waving palm branches, and they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. A man would only be welcomed in this way who was a king or someone who is very, very important. And so the the fact that they were welcoming him in this way meant that they expected him to do something. What did they expect him to do? Well, there was a prophecy in the Old Testament that a Messiah would one day come. So their expectation for Jesus was that he would come in, rhythm of the yoke of the Roman, uh, the Roman yoke of slavery and bondage, and that he would set up his earthly kingdom here on earth. It's the reason he was welcomed in this way. They were shouting Hosanna. They put their the palm branches on the ground. They put their their coats on the donkey for him to sit on. They praised him in this way because they wanted him to to be, to be their Messiah and to rid them of of the, of the Roman slavery. Y'all with me? Now, did Jesus do what he asked them? What they asked? What they expected him to do? Well, let's look back on Sunday. He rides in on the donkey. They're praising him, Hosanna, Hosanna. Yes, and Hosanna, if you remember last week, means please save me, please deliver me. It essentially means our, our Savior is here. Savior, please save us. That's what Hosanna means. And so they were shouting this. And they're, they're high-fiving one another. They're like, hey, let's, get, let's, let's, let's prepare a feast. Our Messiah is here. Why do they think he was Messiah? Because he was performing miracles. He had healed people. He had raised people from the dead. He had done all these things. So they thought, surely our Messiah is here. So they're, they're celebrating. But if you read the Bible chronologically by Monday, Jesus enters into the temple and what does he do? He sees that the religious people, the Jewish people had made his had made the temple his father's house a house of business and not a house of prayer like it was intended. And so he said, "No, no, no. My father's house will be a house of prayer." He threw he threw the tables uh, that had money on them. He threw them up. And he began to clean house. And so I'm sure they're looking at Jesus like, what are you doing, Jesus? Like, okay. The next day, on Tuesday, he, he tells some parables and he rebukes the Pharisees. I'm not going to go into the parables. But essentially he says this. He says, you guys had an opportunity to receive me as Messiah. But the, the stone that you have rejected, talking about himself, the stone that you've rejected has become the cornerstone. And he, cond- and he condemns them and he says, you guys did not recognize the, the, the time of your Messiah. And he says, but that stone that you rejected has become the cornerstone. So imagine you're the Jewish people and you're expecting Jesus to come in to be the Messiah. And instead of, instead of, of, of setting up the kingdom, instead of uh, getting, um, mobilizing the Israeli forces to begin a, a march on Rome, he, he, he begins to address some of the inward issues that they had, these eternal issues. And this is exactly what happened. They expected him to set up a kingdom, but instead, he began to address a lifestyle that was not pleasing to his eyes. And I can imagine, I can imagine um, the people saying, Jesus, what are you doing? We just welcomed you in as a Messiah, and here you are, making a mess of our temple, rebuking our leaders. And the leaders, I'm sure, thought this. You're rebuking us? We've been the one, we're the ones following the law and I can imagine them saying all this, and, and, and I, then I can hear Jesus' response: "Why would I set you free if you're going to continue to mistreat one another?" Because the reason he he flipped the tables is because if you if you study history, the, the people the 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 Rome, um, the um, religious leaders were taking advantage of the poor people. This is one of the. Re- this is a reason he flipped the, the. We can go into that later. But one reason he was they were taking advantage of the people, and Jesus said, "Why am I going to set you free from Roman bondage, Roman enslavery, uh, if you're going to continue to mistreat people?" He says, I, I, "I know that you want me to set you free, but I'm not going to set you free so that you can continue to sin." I, I think the, I think God sometimes will keep us in bondage. He will keep us in a situation. Until we are ready to change. Anybody been there? I've been there. Part of my testimony is, is I was, um, I was married and in the, and the, and the Lord, he had tried to get my attention for years before that. And he said, I'm just gonna have to let you go through with it and let you learn the hard way. Anybody been there? It wasn't until I went through it all, until I was sick and tired of being rebellious, essentially. I didn't know I was being rebellious, but it wasn't until I was tired of living in bondage and I was ready to make a real change that God said, okay, I'm going to set you free now. This is very important. Jesus didn't come to change your circumstances. He came to change you. This is exactly what the Jewish people wanted. He wanted Jesus to come in and change the environment, set them up as the new world power, and then everything would be fine. But Jesus didn't come to change their surroundings. He came to change them. And let me tell you, they weren't ready for it. By Wednesday, they were fed up. They, were, they had seen enough. And, and and on Wednesday, Judas decided to betray Jesus. The next day, they had the, the supper. Jesus, Judas ended up betraying Jesus, and then Peter denied him. And by Friday, the, sh- the, the shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna had become the shouts of crucify him. What happened? They were disappointed with this version of Messiah because he didn't meet their own needs. They love their lifestyle more than they love God. They were disappointed, they were offended, and their offense drove them to get rid of Jesus. Listen to this carefully. We either learn to get rid of our selfish, comfortable lifestyle, or we will get rid of Jesus. They cannot coexist. Your will and God's will cannot coexist. And let me tell you, I'm not just speaking to people who don't know Jesus or are not saved. I'm talking to Christians too. Many times in our life, we're, we're living for the Lord, but when the Lord comes in and wants to change things around, we say, God, I'm already, give, I'm already giving you Sunday morning. I'm giving you Wednesday night. I'm giving you all these other things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing what I want in this area. Let's just say you're living for the Lord 90% of the time, but there's a 10% or 5% or less or more where you're saying, I'm, I'm gonna do things my way. If you, we are not careful, and the devil's a liar, he's a good liar. He knows how to deceive us and manipulate us. That 10% will kick out the 90%. We will either learn to get rid of our selfish, idolatrous lifestyle, idolatrous meaning we are serving the idols that we want to serve, the things that we want to serve, or we will get rid of Jesus. And this is exactly what the Jewish people did. There's a story in Matthew 15 that illustrates that the the religious leaders were offended. I want to read it. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 15, verse 1. You can follow along on the screen if you want. If you have your Bible, I really encourage you to turn there. Maybe you have an app on your phone. I want to encourage you to, to go there. I want us to become familiar with knowing where the word is in, on our phone so that, we can, so that we can find it. Verse 1 says this. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break their tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. The religious people approach Jesus and they see that his disciples didn't wash their hands. And when he says they didn't wash their hands, um, it wasn't necessarily talking about a ceremony, uh, a, um, a, a hygiene. It wasn't a hygiene issue. It was a ceremonial issue. You see, the religious people had developed these ceremonies in these traditions that before you ate, you had to wash your hands a certain way so many times. Um, I guess they were OCD. Uh, o- what is that ODD? D? No, OCD. O- o- Sorry, I can't even say OCD. The original OCD. You ever seen those shows where they just like wash their hands like so many times? It's crazy. Um, they need prayer. We need prayer. Um, it wasn't that. There was a ceremonial uh, washing that they had. And so they, say, they tell Jesus, Jesus, how come they're not, you're not doing this? How come you're, you're not making your disciples wash their hands? Look at Jesus' response. Verse 3. He says, and why do you? He turns it around on them. And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And then he begins to expose their tradition. For God commanded this is a commandment honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles or rebukes or talks against father or mother must surely die. But this is what you say instead of keeping this commandment, this is what you say. If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the Word of God. What is he saying? Well, during that time, there was a tradition that if and this is this is from the this is from the heart if a man did not want to honor his father or his mother and honoring them and during that time included giving um, giving A a, a sum or a a financial uh, help to his parents, if they didn't want to help their parents in that way and thereby honor them, they could designate that sum and give it to the church. They could give it to the temple and say, hey, what I would have given to my father and my mother so I could honor them, I'm going to give it to God instead. What they were actually doing is, and I, I, I didn't have time to go into a lot of study, but they The bottom line was, is that they didn't want to honor their parents. They want to keep this commandment. They wanted to bypass this commandment so they they could honor God another way. Did you know there's a a verse that says that obedience is better than sacrifice? Do You know, God is not asking for you to sacrifice more things to Him. I remember one time when I was younger, God had asked me to get up in the morning to pray at a certain time. Anybody, you have that same conviction, that nasty conviction from the Lord? Oh, I hate getting up early. Um... Yeah, I don't. I remember I, the Lord asked me to get up at a certain time, and I didn't want to. I said, Lord, I'll, I'll fast lunch. I'll pray at an extra 20, 30 minutes at lunch, or pray in the evening. And after several months of doing this, the Lord said, I don't want you to pray in the afternoon. I don't want you to pray at lunchtime. I don't even want you to pray longer. I don't, I'm tired of all these sacrifices. I want you to do what I'm asking you to do. This is exactly what they were doing. They were trying to sacrifice to God in another way instead of obeying his commandment. And and Jesus said, that's not right. Look at his response. Verse 7. He said, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people. They honor me with their lips, with their actions and and, and supposedly their lifestyle. But their heart is far from me. He says, in vain do they worship me? He says, it doesn't mean anything to me. Their worship doesn't mean anything. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. He said, it's not, it's not that you have to wash your hands so that the food you eat uh, doesn't defile you. He said, it's, that doesn't defile you, what you put in. It's what comes, your, what comes out of your mouth because what comes out of your mouth Starts in your heart. And if your heart is bad, then everything will be bad. Verse 12, Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Why were they offended? They were offended because Jesus exposed their nice little tradition, their, their self-righteous uh, uh, traditions, and exposed them as idolatry and rebellion against God. That's why they were offended. Let me ask you a question. Did you know Jesus will offend you? What do you mean? He's trying to offend me? As I said earlier, there will come a point in our life and our walk with the Lord inevitably where we're living for the Lord and things seem to be great and we're doing our best and then he will bring up a memory where, hey, you... Remember this happened to you? This person said this to you and... You've been holding unforgiveness towards them. It's time to it's time to forgive them. It's time to let it go. We have, or we have fear, we have hate in our heart, and God said, and God will tell us, hey, you need to deal with that. That's not that's not cool. That's not all right with me. If we are not quick to repent and respond to it the way that He wants, we can't get offended and say, God, but don't you know what they did to me? Don't you know how they made me? Don't you know what they did to my family? Surely you're not asking me to forgive them. Surely, I'm going to deal with this later. And if we're not careful, if we're not quick to repent, we will take up this offense. And offense, as we're going to learn in a minute, will keep us in bondage. I believe the people in Jesus' day would fit in nicely with our cancel culture. Anybody heard of cancel culture? Anybody been paying attention to the news? People being people, organizations, programs being canceled left and right. I want to read this definition of cancel culture. It's from the New York Post earlier this year, and this is what it says. Cancel culture is the phenomenon of promoting the canceling of people, brands, and even shows and movies due to what some consider to be offensive or problematic remarks or ideologies. So, what is it? It's when a, a a a person or a group of people or a brand or an organization says or does something that that makes someone else upset, or hurts somebody else, or offends somebody else. What is what is the thing that is driving this culture? It's offense. What you are saying, what you are doing is offensive to me, and I'm going to say something about it. I'm going to do something about it. And then what does the offense create? It creates fear. We have people all around the United States and around the world. I don't know how prevalent cancel culture is around the world, but in the United States, they are fearful for speaking up, speaking their conviction, living out their conviction for fear that they will be canceled that they will be ostracized, that they will lose their job, that they'll be sued. And guess what? If you lose your job, then guess what? You're not able to feed your family. You're not able to provide for yourself. You see how this offense causes fear? This is the culture that we're living in. And there's already a lot of people that have been affected by it. How many know Dr. Seuss is not, is not doing too good right now? <laughs> Mrs. Butterworth and Jemima. Ooh, I love, I love syrup. <laughs> with pancakes and waffles, specifically with waffles. Um... And there are a lot of other people. I was, I was watching, uh, I, w- I wasn't watching because I don't watch this, this, this stuff, but you can repent after, after, after you confess to this. How many of y'all watch The Bachelor? Good, we've got some holy people in here. Um, I so, no. <laughs> when I was younger, I used to watch that with, with, with some, some people, but um, after a while, I'm like, this is, this is dumb. One person dating all these people. This is not realistic, but it's fun to watch. Um, (laughs) How many of y'all heard the story recently about The Bachelor? Uh, He picked a woman to not—he decided not to propose to her, but wanted to begin a relationship with her. And then some—some of her past uh, actions came up. Apparently, she went to, to went to a a party, and they dressed up in offensive offensive dresses and uh, uh, offensive costumes and so what did he do he said hey that's offensive to me so i'm going to break up with you and then the host uh for chris something he spoke up and tried to defend her and say hey you know she was young and this and that and then he was ostracized and he decided and then he was basically bullied out of this position and i don't know if he's if he's gonna uh um, he's gonna still be in this position but he, didn't even, he wasn't even a part of the situation. He just simply spoke an opinion, and it wasn't necessarily a horrible opinion. In my opinion, it wasn't a, a really bad opinion, but because he spoke up, he was canceled. Now, I'm not here to talk about whether that was right or wrong, or whether it's, or whether cancel culture is, is good or bad. What, I'm trying, what I want to illustrate is that it's here. And the reason that this culture is here is because we live in a world of offense not only that we live in a world where people are looking to get offended looking to get offended and many times they're looking to get offended so much that they can sue somebody offense is is prevalent and i really as i was getting ready for this this weekend a couple weeks ago, i really felt the lord said we need to address offense unknowingly many of us believers have taken on offense we have taken on, we've been hurt, and we have fallen into this this idea that it's okay to be upset and to be hurt and to carry offense. Let me tell you something about offense. Offence is natural, it is part of the human nature. Offence is nothing special. Anyone can get offended. Getting offended is no more different is not much different than a baby or a toddler. Kicking and screaming because they're not having their way. I know there's some people that take pride and say, oh, I'm not going to let them talk to me that way. Who do they think they are? Let me just tell you, if that's you, I've been there before, you're not special. You're not special. It's not hard to throw a temper tantrum. It's not hard to be... It is natural to the human nature. And if we're going to live like Jesus, we're going to have to let go of this offense Let's go back to the Holy Week. So we know why the Jewish people were offended, right? They're offended because Jesus didn't meet their expectations as Messiah. And then he began to say and do things that they disagreed with. But let's think about Jesus. What do you think Jesus was feeling during this time? Jesus was not only betrayed by the people who welcomed him in to Jerusalem... He was betrayed by his own disciple. Two of them actually. We all know Judas. He betrayed Judas, betrayed Jesus with the kiss. But even Peter, he denied Jesus. The one who said, I'll 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 be the last one standing, Jesus. I'll I'll go I'll go with you. And then when it came down to he denied him, denied that he even knew Jesus to a little girl. To a little girl. He was that scared. And I would even say, I didn't thought about this, but. He himself was probably offended, and it wasn't manifesting, and that fence created the fear. Has anyone ever felt betrayed? I know over the past few years, I have, by people very close to me. And I'm like, I cannot, I just, like, I can't, anybody anybody been there? I cannot believe they did that. I cannot believe they said that. I can't believe they're acting this way. Unfortunately, at some points, I picked up the offense, and many of us have too. People very close to us. Jesus knew what that felt like. But let me ask you a question. Did Jesus get offended? Did he get offended? Let me tell you, if he had, this is an easy way to answer this question. If he had gotten offended, he would have sinned. And if he would have sinned, he could have died on the cross for us. Listen to this. After he was wrongly accused... After he was arrested, after he was put in an unjust trial, after he was spat upon, whipped, had a crown of thrones put on his head, and even as he was being nailed to the cross, he did not take up the offense. But he said this, Luke 23, verse 34. As he was on the cross, hanging between, between two thieves, between two criminals, he said this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do let me tell you he didn't say it like this i used i guess i used to uh, subconsciously think of it this way that jesus said father forgive those idiots they don't know what they're doing they knew they were putting their king on the cross man they would feel so stupid right now he said it like this father these people that have been serving that i truly love please don't hold this against them if they just knew that they were putting their long-awaited Messiah on a cross, it would break their heart. Please forgive them. Please don't hold this against them. I remember when we started Kingdom, some of y'all know our history. We came out of a real tough church situation. And talk about a fence. There was a fence flying everywhere during that time. I remember I... I, um some people had hurt me during that time. I was trying to, trying to bring healing to the situation. And some people hurt me and, and kind of turned their back on me in a sense. And I was upset. And I remember thinking, Lord, I'm going to say something. I'm going to do something. I remember there was one moment. There was one moment where I said, I was like, Lord, these people have hurt me. And I... I'm going to say something. I remember I was in my kitchen, and this verse came to mind. Matthew Matthew 5, 9. Jesus said, I was in my kitchen. I I was like getting ready. I was concocting a master plan to get them back. (laughs) And Jesus said, he reminded me of a verse. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That verse spoke to me because I remember when I was 15, I realized I was his son and it changed my life. The fact that I knew I was his son, I knew it in here, not just up here, I knew it in here. And I thought, Jesus, I want you to be proud to call me your son. And so I'm not going to do anything about this, but I'm going to facilitate peace. I'm going to cover the sin. I'm not going to say anything. And he even brought this verse to me. He said, Josh, even when I was on the cross, I forgave, and I didn't take the offense. And he said, this is what the kingdom of God is about. It's about being hurt, being tried, being persecuted, like I was, but not getting offended. There's no way to be offended when you're walking in forgiveness. There's no way. In this life, you're going to be hurt, you're going to be betrayed, you're going to be stepped on, but in those crucial moments, you got, you got to listen carefully to that, you got two choices. You can either accept the offense, harbor it, or you can reject it and extend forgiveness and walk in forgiveness. Those are your two options. And let me tell you, when you're in an emotionally driven situation and emotions are high, the devil is a master artist of coming in and feeding you the lie of why you should be upset. The title of this series is, and we're going to be talking about this the rest of the month, is Rejecting Offense. Because you can either accept it and hold on to it for days, weeks, months, and many of us even years, or you can learn to reject it and say, no, there's a better way to live. The title of the sermon is Jesus, our, the, our offended Savior, the offended Savior. Jesus was the most offended man in history. How do we know this? Because number one, he never did anything wrong. He was perfect. If there is somebody who had a reason to be upset and be mad, it was him. And then also he came out of heaven. He came out of perfection and stepped into this earth to help us and, and we basically stepped on him. I, kind of, I thought of this analogy. You ever, been, you ever been in your homes and you've been on the couch and your kids call out to you, hey, come help me with this. And you're like, I, I, I don't want to help you with that. I'm comfortable on my couch. I'm watching TV, watching the game, reading a book, sleeping. Like, oh, You leave the perfection of your couch. You go help them. And then when you're done helping them, they're mad that you even got up to come help them. And you're like, what the heck? Like, I got to imagine that Jesus had to have that going through his mind. Like, really? I was happy in heaven, and, and then you're not even appreciating what I'm doing for you. Jesus was the most offended man in all of history. But because he rejected the offense, he was able to go to the cross. And what did he do? He brought healing for every person. Look at this passage, 1 Peter 2, verse 18. He says, You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but if, even if they are cruel. For God is pleased, listen, when conscious of his will, when you're thinking about him as you're going through these things, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Unjust treatment. He's talking to us. He says this is a gracious thing in God's eyes that when you go through something hard and it's wrong and, and, and they're talking against you and they're doing things against you that you, that you endure it. Verse, uh, verse 20, verse 19, verse 20, sorry. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. He says if you're patient while you're doing something that you deserve, you don't get any credit for that. You deserved it. But if you suffer for doing good, and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, the next verse. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. You must follow his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. Instead, this is so good, he left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. I'm gonna stop right here. Do you believe that God sees everything you go through and that if you go through things that are unjust, he's gonna do something about it? I can I could speak the rest of the time, and we don't have much time, but I could speak the rest of the day laying out an argument that many of us don't believe that. We don't believe that we do not believe we have a perfect Father in heaven who will take care of us. That He sees every unjust thing done done to us and that if we respond in forgiveness and respond in mercy, He will take care of us and He will take care of our family. Guess what? He'll take care of them too if, if He has to. He will always respond justly. Church, it's time the reason the world does not believe that there's a God is because we have a lot of offended Christians walking around, acting just like them. Why should they follow them? Why should they follow us? There's no reason to. It's natural to be offended, but it is supernatural to extend forgiveness. He pers- verse 24, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds, you were healed. Because He rejected the offense... His wounds were able, his suffering was able to bring healing to everyone. Listen to this. Offense perpetuates bondage, but forgiveness brings healing. Did you know there is someone in your family, in your life, in your workplace that is waiting for you to suffer unjustly so that they can be healed? Because Jesus endured suffering and wrongdoing. He brought healing to everybody. I've said this before. I think I said it on Friday at our Good Friday service. But many of us want to, want to be a bridge to people, right? We want people to know about Jesus. We want to connect them. We want them to be able to, we want to, be able to take their hand and put it in God's hand and, and let them know this amazing life that he's given us. But what are bridges? They are structures that are stepped on that are rolled over. If we want to be a bridge to a lost and dying world, we're going to have to learn to live with the fact that we're going to get offended, we're going to be hurt, we're going to be disappointed. But if we extend forgiveness and live the life that Jesus lived while he was here on earth, we will bring healing to them and to many more people like them. That is the power of resisting and rejecting offense. Church, we were called to it. And I know it's hard. I know as I've been talking, there have been things that have come up in your mind like, hey, I'm just mad about this situation. Let me tell you, if you stay in that state of mind, you will stay in bondage. But if you can reject the offense, extend forgiveness, God will bring healing to you. Let's all stand. Father, we just thank you for today. I want you just to bow your heads. Father, we thank you for this morning. I know this was a very direct word. Father, I truly believe you're wanting to heal some people this morning. On this Easter Sunday, you're wanting to take some people out of their bondage, out of their grave, and bring them into new life. Church, I really believe that God is wanting to deal with offense in the church. Unfortunately, offense has... has found its way into the church from the world. And God is saying, would you follow me? Would you hear what I'm trying? Would you hear my voice this morning? Would you hear what I'm trying to communicate to you? Take my hand, ask for help, and follow me down this road, this path of walking in forgiveness. There is grace for it this morning. I want you to ask Jesus this question. We do this every week. Just ask him this, Jesus, am I offended? You could be offended by a person, by a group of people. And let me tell you, you can even be offended by God. Some of us have gone through things in our life and we're like, God, I don't know, why did you put me through that? I'm so mad at you. I'm so frustrated that you allow this to happen. Just ask him a question. I want every, if you ask him this question, I promise he will reveal your heart to you. Jesus, am I offended? Have I been carrying offense?